FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 156 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. We're your host. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I jumped all over you like an asshole. (laughs) We're your host, Jason and Denise Venable, with a uh, bonus X Marks the Spot episode with a special guest, Georgie V. Hey, Georgie. Hey guys, I've read my books, uh, my stomach is filled with tacos, I'm ready to talk. Whoa, and California tacos too. What? That's, yeah. tacos? That's good stuff. It That's is. No Did you get some fish tacos? No, just chicken this okay. time. That's cool. So Georgie, I've been meaning to ask you since you moved. Mm-hmm. Um, does California really know how to party? <laughs> um... I don't know, to be honest. I spent too much time at work to even realize there is a city out there. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I was just curious if the if the streets had it right. Well, I think everyone does have their own auto tune here, so. <laughs> and comes with your driver's license. Yep. <laughs> I just got my license, so that the the auto tune should be. I think it's in the mail. It should be another day or so. Okay. Now, did you drive when you were in Japan, or was it all I public transit? No, because the streets are incredibly narrow. It's like one and a half lanes available for two lanes of cars. Oh. I don't know how people do it. Wow, that sounds scary. That yeah, sounds yeah, like too scary. Vespa. <laughs> I bet the Jap- there's no F-150s over there. <laughs> Every once in a while, I saw a, what do you call it, a, a Humvee. Wow. Really? Yeah, and I had no idea how they were getting around. Man. They were running over all the other little cars. <laughs> right? I think so. Life's a bummer when you're a Hummer. Mm. <laughs> to quote some really old Smashing Pumpkins. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a really old Smashing Pumpkins fan. Well, well, you have to be an old Smashing Pumpkins fan. You can't be a new one. No, you can't. All their new stuff's like super metally and not in a good way. Hmm. You know, Billy Corgan learned how to shred, I guess. I guess he always knew how to shred, but he really kind of dove into it in the later years. But this is not the podcast that smashes pumpkins. Or shred. <laughs> oh, I shred. <laughs> <laughs> and I just air, I just air guitar for the listeners at home because podcast is a visual medium. <laughs> I feel like that would be the podcast that Gallagher would host. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast that smashes watermelons. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of which, did you ever watch um what was it? Celebrity Deathmatch? Yes. My favorite one was with the uh Gallagher brothers from Oasis were fighting each other. Mm-hmm. And then Gallagher came at the end and smashed both their heads with his oh, big I, hammer. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we have two x-men team books to talk about and i wanted to bring georgie on uh, keep the trend going of talking about the new number ones post secret wars so we're going to focus on all new x-men number one and then we'll also kind of uh we'll get into extraordinary x-men number three a little bit uh you guys ready to talk about some comics let's do it all right here we go all new x-men number one is does it have a title I don't think it does. No, 
No. But it's uh, written by Dennis Hopeless, with pencils by Mark Bagley and or Bagley, inked by Andrew Hennessy, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. And the cover is by Bagley, Hennessy, and Woodard. So let's talk about the cover. Uh, Georgie, what's on the cover? So um, we've got our team of all new, all amazing, all encompassing X-Men in the front and uh, the poster of the sort of previous team in, in, in posted on a brick wall behind them with uh, sort of an X-Men X symbol uh, sort of dripping, almost dripping with blood, but it's, it's spray paint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Young Cyclops tagged it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so who's on our new roster? Well, you're going to have to help me because there's a few that, well, at least one that I don't know. Okay. So we've got Young Cyclops. Yes. Uh, this is Young Iceman. Uh, Beast. We've got Wolverine, which is, uh, you know, previous X-23. Um, we've got Angel with his crazy wings. <laughs> his light got, wings. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is something. And um, Kid Apocalypse. And who is this last person? That's Idy. She was one of Jason Aaron's uh, creations from Wolverine and the X-Men. Okay, what are her powers? Uh, her powers are fire and ice, and it's about as cool as it sounds. Okay, then. <laughs> One hand is a fire hand, and the other hand is an ice hand. All right. Yep. Um, they really, really pushed her in Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. You know, I, actually, I think she may have been... I think I'm wrong about her origin. I think she was originally introduced in that uh, Generation Hope book. Do you remember that? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, Jason Aaron really wanted her, and, and Jason Latour after him also, mm-hmm. really kind of focused on her and Kid Apocalypse and Quentin Quire. And, yeah, see, I would much prefer to have Quentin Quire on I here. I would too, people. yeah. Like, um, there was a whole bunch... I, I dropped off the last series of Xbox after Battle of the Atom, because that just wasted my time and money. Right. But um, there was a couple on, on the Cyclops' team, and a couple... Uh, there's the girl who would like stop time and the guy who could control vehicles and right. gold balls. And I would love to see those characters around. Yeah. What, what, hopefully what, they'll show back up. I've heard not to spoil too much, but I've heard, uh, hopeless talk about this book. You know, it's going to kind of turn into a young X-Men road trip book. Mm-hmm. And the plus and minus of that is they'll probably have a chance to interact with different characters as they kind of move around. Mm-hmm. The drawback of that is it could just be, hey, let's go visit this guy, you know, every uh, issue. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. But I'm hoping, like you, that some of those characters show back up. And even if they're not part of the team, that they're at least, like, part of the supporting cast or, or whatever. Um, well, let's talk about let's talk about the new team. Of course, this book, from its inception, was pretty much all Bendis. I mean, it was his baby. Um, mm-hmm. He took it on. Uh, what do you... What are your guys' kind of previous exposure, your thoughts overall? Uh, I guess we'll focus on Hopeless and Bagley. Denise, you want to go first? (laughs) No, I'll let you go, Georgie. Uh, Denise's thoughts on Hopeless and Bagley are, who are they? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Um, Hopeless is a guy who's, he was doing X-Force before, correct? And he was doing, um, well, what, what else was it? I yeah, I'm very hot and cold on Hopeless. His, yeah, exactly. Uh, his X Force was terrible, mm-hmm. and his Spider Woman was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so 
he's he's a, a polarizing guy. I, I heard a lot of who, what's what's oh boy, I'm gonna start rambling here. Oh, there's a podcast that focuses mainly on X Men. It's like a couple, and they had like no um oh uh, people. Rachel and is that you talking about that one? Rachel and Miles. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they they love Hopeless, but I do not share their love for Hopeless. And Bagley is not, he's not a bad artist. He's just not what I enjoy to look at. Okay, fair enough. So this issue doesn't start off uh, sort of in the best terms with me. <laughs> you weren't excited for it, well, to put it mildly. Is that a good quote for you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see if it turns them around. Um, like I said, uh, Hope, man, Hopeless is, is X-Force. I dropped it after like two issues. It was that bad. And then oh. it was hopeless. It was, I think I, I'm pretty sure I made that joke along with a hundred <laughs> other people when exactly. I, when I originally talked about X-Force on the podcast, um, back when, when his volume came out, but I really did enjoy mostly for the art, but also for the story. His run on spider woman has been a fun book. And so I decided based on those two pieces of pie that I tasted that he must really be bad at really serious stuff. But he's better at the lighthearted stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was curious with the X-Men, like, what are we going to get? And we'll, we'll talk about kind of what we got as we go through the book. But that was sure. kind of that was kind of like my question coming into this was, am I going to get the terrible, serious Hopeless or the more fun, fun Hopeless? As far as Bagley, I have really fond memories of Bagley um, mm-hmm. from way back on his initial run on Amazing Spider-Man, which was... Amazing. I would say over the last, oh gosh, how long ago was that? Like 30 years ago or more? Mm-hmm. 20 at least. Um, he's a pretty consistent artist. You know what you're going to get when you yes. get, when you get Bagley. Um, love him or hate him or, or indifferent, whatever. Like he, not to say he hasn't gotten better. I mean, obviously the more you draw, the better you get. But but he's you, you very much know this is what he does. And, you know, that's it. And so... So, I mean, I like it. It's not, you know, as we've moved into some more kind of different artists in the modern era, I think some of my taste has shifted a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it may not be my favorite now, but I do still like him. I would, I would still say I'm, I'm mostly a fan. So so I came into the book kind of not really knowing what I was going to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so I guess we'll go from there. So what... um. Georgie, why don't you start us off talking about kind of what happens, and Denise and I will jump in and whatever. So Secret Wars is finished, and these people on the team in the on the cover aren't really a team yet. They're sort of in their different locations, and we get to what I think is gonna be my favorite relationship in the book, which yes. is um, Angel and Wolverine, and they're skiing down a, a mountain in Colorado, sort of racing to the bottom. And it's sort of a playful scene. X twenty, oh, sorry, Wolverine uses her <laughs> her claws to uh, chop up some trees and get in Angel's way, sort of cheat her way to win. But uh, when she does that, she doesn't see a rock in front of her and, and starts falling, you know, face first down the mountain. Right. And she's saved by Angel with his crazy wings. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you what know? Do you, do you know, Georgie, how he got his wings? It was the crossover in space. It was the yeah. dark mirror, yeah. or what was it? Uh, black vortex. Yeah, black vortex. Yes. Yes. Denise was testing you, and you passed. 
I remember when you guys talked about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think, much like in All New Wolverine, I'm really kind of digging the way that I'm writing this relationship, and I think it'll definitely be one of the stronger points of this book as well, I, is my expectation. So, The relationship feels very real. Yes. And I think that's what, what I enjoy about it, is I can actually see these two, like, I can imagine them, you know, in bed at night, like he's trying to read and she's snoring and <laughs> whatever the case may be. And, you know, and I thought this this kind of the competitiveness or the competitive nature of the relationship mm-hmm. kind of coming through in this scene was, was very interesting. You know, kind of like, you know, Laura's trying to get a leg up and, you know, uses her claws and the angel saves her and she's mad at him for saving her. And then, <laughs> I'm not sure about the like constant resetting her bones, but you know, I, whatever. That was my favorite part. Cracks. <laughs> I do really like the panel of them like face to face right after the kiss. Yeah. That's probably, I mean, that's when Begley, I feel like, is really shining. And I think it's the color work on that panel as well that really stands out. Right. But it also seems real and genuine, too. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't seem like. Oh, I have to draw two people that are really close together. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, you can see it in their eyes that they're, like, in love with each other. Yeah. Right. It really works. And then we got to talk about the wings here. Okay. Why did they keep this part of the... <laughs> Why did they reset this? <laughs> what is this? I don't know. Um, like the fiery wings, Georgie? Are they fire? No. They're no, just They're, like, light. light. They're energy wings. It reminds me of, um, so way back in the Joe Mad run of Uncanny, mm-hmm. when Angel originally, like the first time, lost his metal wings. Yes. And they grew back as feathers. They went through this transition of when oh, they were yeah. like energy wings. It very much reminds me of that. I forgot about that. It very much reminds me of My Little Pony. <laughs> Dude, I would bet my last dollar that Angel is a brony. With a name like Warren Worthington III. Yeah, of course. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent to the wing. I think I would rather just have regular wings. Mm-hmm. I think the the advantage they get in this kind of continuity right now it's similar to the metal wings in that they it's much easier to justify when you don't see them. Mm-hmm. They just go away, as opposed to like in the sixties where he had to like strap his wings down like he was a you know, Victorian lady trying to bind up his body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He'd always have to wear like a zoot suit or something to really Yeah. <laughs> really- <laughs> I suddenly want uh Angel to be in one of those um uh, re- swing revival bands from the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, zoot zoot riot. So, d- despite how they look, if I was Angel, I would probably prefer these because they're definitely more useful than just feather wings. Right. So it- it's an upgrade, but visually, I don't really like it. Yeah, I'm gonna get a T-shirt that says, "Try killing these marauders." Oh my gosh! <laughs> I think to your point, Georgie. I I think I've seen his wing, his light wings, drawn way better than this. These okay. seem kind of sloppy to me. Yes, just my own sort of artistic point of view. Plus, it looks like he has a weird tail. 
Like, what the hell is that? Oh, he does have a weird tail. I was wondering that myself. I think he farted. (laughs) I think he has light wings and light farts. Or do they get set on fire? That's what I was thinking, yeah. (laughs) When they come out. (laughs) Who needs a match? (laughs) I also want to go on the record as uh, only douches answer the phone with low. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, so that's Colorado. <laughs> yes. And then we're in, in Florida with Beast and Kid Apocalypse. And Kid Apocalypse is wrestling gators for fun. Yeah. He's stealing the show from this old Cajun guy in the in the cutoffs and the beard. Yeah. yeah. Kid Apocalypse stretches arms. Yes. Yeah. He has all of Apocalypse's physical powers. Okay. Just checking. Which are basically to be a gray Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, he he can wrestle the the gators. I have an issue with this page. Okay, okay, what's your issue? So we jump to Florida, then we jump back to Vale, so we can see Angel and Laura. Mm-hmm. Oh my what's God! What coming, happened to her face? <laughs> what's coming out of Angel's mouth? Uh, it's showing you that he's cold. It was then, drawn way better in the page. Before. Yes, it was where it looks all light and smoky, yeah. as opposed yeah. to like a giant silver snake. No, no, it looks like someone just took a whiteout pen and just like drew a streak. Right. <laughs> like in Microsoft Paint and you accidentally run the mu- mouse over the erase yeah, exactly. button. That's what it looks like. Yeah. But yeah, Laura's face is also... Distorted on the left side. I can't tell if she's smirking or if like she broke her cheek. <laughs> or she had a small Bell palsy stroke. Wow, I don't know. That's just mean. <laughs> I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't either. And her ear yeah. is too far out. Yeah, that's like, that's where it looks like. Yeah, the cheek over it. It's like it's extended. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so Beast, they're calling. They're trying to uh, get back together. They want to know if anybody's seen Scott. And we find out that he's off the grid because of what his older self did. We get more hints at this mutant inhuman conflict. Then apparently uh, older Cyclops did something really heinous. And, um... And younger Cyclops was embarrassed by it, <laughs> for lack of a better word. He didn't agree with it, I guess. Yeah, well, he didn't want to be associated with it. Right. Which, that, that, I mean, that'd be a pretty hard circumstance. You know, if you were running around and basically your yourself did something that you were ideologically opposed to, like, how would you react to that? Because everybody would recognize you as the person that did this terrible thing. Yeah, that's something I hope they really keep exploring throughout the book. I do too. I do too. Well, and I guess, you know, if, let's say, future you came back and said, hey, you know, I did this horrible thing, like mentally, how do you handle it internally, knowing that it was you who did this horrible thing, knowing that you now would never, ever do it, what brought you to that point? Would that eat you up on the inside? And I guess you could sort of thematically tie that to the Extraordinary X-Men book where they do a lot of talk about destiny. Yes. So I guess the three characters, Scott, uh, Old Man Logan, and Gene, sort of their destiny and what what they're, they feel like they're forced to do and what they, they'd like to change would be interesting to, to keep tabs on as these books move forward. Yeah, I agree. See what kind of time warp they do. Anyway, so where do we go after Florida? 
Well, I'd like to oh, uh, make yeah. a quick segue because in, in the floppy I'm holding, there's an ad for Jessica Jones. And I just maybe just 30 seconds. Did you guys watch it? And if so, what did you think? We have not watched it yet. We will. Um, right now, we are very, very far behind on our DVR. <laughs> like really far behind. Like, like, like far enough behind that we have to watch stuff so it'll keep recording new stuff. <laughs> I gotcha. And so once we get that kind of in check, then we'll get back to Netflix. Because I do want to watch it. <laughs> Obviously, um, I don't expect it to be quite as good as Daredevil, though I've heard really good things about it. But I, Daredevil is one of my favorite things I've ever watched. So... We had a huge debate on what was better. Was Arrow better? There's no was... debate. That's not a debate. No, Daredevil didn't. kicks Arrow's ass. Yeah. No, we had a debate. <laughs> you had <We're>... a debate. <laughs> no, you asked me the question, well, who did I think was better, Daredevil or Arrow? And I said, I think they're kind of apples and oranges for different reasons. And you said that Arrow did other things better than Daredevil. No. Yes, you did. <laughs> fight, 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 fight. <laughs> Let's take this outside. I'm going to throw hamburgers at you. <laughs> oh, man. But no, okay. to, to answer your question, I'm very much looking forward to it. Have you watched any of it yet? I, I've seen it all. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, won't, I won't say anything until you guys have, have seen it. Well, you can give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Uh, I give it a definite thumbs up. Okay, perfect. Now, Georgie, I have to say with Daredevil, I was a little disappointed in the end because mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed his sort of homemade costume. Yeah. And then when he got to his like regular costume, mm-hmm. I felt like it inhibited his fighting style. So there wasn't mm-hmm. any of that fluid movement. Do they pull any of that in Jessica Jones? There's a lot less like superhero fighting, and yeah, it's more of real world, sort of right? Psychological storytelling, but there's some some interesting action stuff as well. Just it's not nearly as as much or as amazing because it's just not focused on that. Right, that's cool. We definitely look forward to watching it. So we'll uh, we'll reconvene this conversation to a later date. Cool. So back to the comic, I guess. Um, after you know Warren and, and Beast and all decide they're going to meet up, we get to see you know little Scott Summers, who's in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, hometown of Kenny Pride. Oh, really? I, I I must have forgotten that. Yeah. And so what's he doing? So he's checking up on this this gang of uh, sort of Cyclops uh, fanboys. They're called <laughs> the Ghosts of Cyclops. <laughs> what do you think of that name? What does everyone think of the name? I was confused at first. I was like, what? Who's the ghost? Are they really paranormal? Are they? (laughs) I was having a blonde moment. I'm sorry. You're so pretty. (laughs) (laughs) No, I... I I, I like the name The Ghosts, but The Ghosts of Cyclops, I don't know, just doesn't have the the ring to it. Yeah, I like the concept, like the idea of what they think it stands for, but it is a little awkward to say. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Well, and... I guess I was expecting, you know, the name sounded cheesy, and I thought, well, maybe it's it's just the best name they could come up with, but these guys will be total badasses. And when, <laughs> when I read it, Georgie, do you watch Supernatural? No, I'm sorry. Okay, so there's a scene where there's this woman, she's a witch, and she got kicked out of what they call the Grand Coven, 
And so she's trying to make her own coven, and they're, so she's meeting with these other witches, and they go, what are you going to call yourself? And she goes, the mega coven. And they all just <laughs> look at her like... <laughs> with this blank stare. Yeah, yeah. and that's kind of what of I felt like when we get these, like... <laughs> What's your gang going to be called? The Ghost of Cyclops. Blink, blink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so, so young Cyclops meets a girl. Wow. And these panels are so 90s looking. Yes, they are. Um, in this scene in particular, we'll talk, uh, when we talk about the art, one of the things that I kind of liked in parts but kind of didn't like in other mm-hmm. parts, including this part, the color work combined with Bagley's pencils together, certain scenes in this issue really came off like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. And this is one of those scenes. But, um, so, so Cyclops meets this very forward woman. <laughs> wow, forward doesn't even cover it. <laughs> who, who walks up and takes a selfie with them so she can tell her mom it's okay for her to be in public or some weird... Hey, don't worry, Mom. I'm, I'm in public with a strange boy you've never seen before. So, but <laughs> right. But cool shades, right, Mom? Yeah. <laughs> well, I love how she's like, do you do you want me to just make up a name or you want to give me your name? And then later on, she's like, yay, we can go out on a date. I'm like, now what would have happened had she made up a name? <laughs> hey, Mom. So this is Joe Blow, and um, we're going on a date now. Yeah. But you can call him Scott. <laughs> yeah. And we get this really weird thing, like, because um, basically... So I guess the fear, the reason she can't go out in public anymore, is because of this this mutant gang is uh, terrorizing the Windy City, and uh, everyone has to stay inside or something. And then she's like, "But hey, what are the odds, right?" Which yeah. is which is comic book for, "Hey, here are the bad guys." <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll be here in two minutes. <laughs> and so they do. Uh, their their restaurant gets flooded with. Which- Okay, sorry. I just have to say something. I love this bottom panel. Do you? Well, really? Because it, it reminds me of um, old Japanese art. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Like with the watercress being white and very uh-huh. organic flowing. Uh-huh. I don't know. There was something beautiful about that that I loved. All right. I could see that with just the water, but with the characters included, I don't feel like the art styles match. No, it doesn't. And, and quite honestly, the, the artist in me, when I saw the panel, like took out everybody and just looked at the beauty of the water. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I agree. They they looks like cut out paper stuck to an old Japanese poster. <laughs> but the the artist in me was able to pull the ugly out. Right. So turns out, uh, where did this water come from, Georgie? So these are the ghosts. They're here attacking and um I don't know, they all look pretty, uh, you know, I have already forgotten about them. They're very <laughs> non-memorable. I do like the mask. No, I agree on that point. So basically they're wearing uh, the most recent version of older Cyclops' cowl with like the big X across the eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all have that on and then they're, they have their various, I wouldn't even call these costumes. They look like late 80s um Marvel Comics Street Gang. Yeah, Street Toughs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of them's wearing a Minecraft shirt. Is that what that is? I think so. Couldn't tell if that was like Space Invaders or. Yeah. Well, I love the other one has like a Yo MTV Rap shirt on. Yeah. 
<laughs> a hot pink tank top. Yes. Yeah. Yo. Yo. And of course, he's a big stony dude. All right. So what do we have here? We have um, we have electric lightning girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have fire fist. Sure. We have the guy whose whose hands Car? turns into goop. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we have the rocky guy. Uh, we have the guy who can spit voluminous amounts of water. Um, I bet he's a terrible kisser. Uh, <laughs> and then we have Lobster Guy, but it's not regular Lobster Guy. It's Energy Claw Lobster Guy. But he only has one claw. Yeah. The other one's just a regular fist. Right. And, it, and it's a flaming claw. I was really disappointed he didn't speak in, like, old-time sailor language. Hard. <laughs> All right, matey, let's get these landlubbers out of the Windy City and into the lake. <laughs> He's the one that should be spitting water. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, anyway, so they attack. They're, they're terrorists. Um, and, and Summers is able to, like, basically take them all out with not using his powers, a few simple punches and kicks. And he's like, they're so untrained. But he only had, like, a couple months of training. So he can't be, like, Mr. Superhero, right? Well, I don't know. We don't know what happened in the eight months since uh, Secret Wars ended. Well, so. I, I meant when he was in the all-new books. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, he, they were all noobs at that point. So, right. Oh, and I'm glad you mentioned the not using his power part. We we kind of glossed over. So Beast has built this new Cerebro-type device, mm-hmm. and they've been trying to track Scott. But since, I guess since he hasn't used his powers, he's not showing up. And so that's that's how he's been able to hide from them. Right. So th- that is an interesting point that he's really kind of not drawing attention to himself by using his powers. But anyway, the cops show up, they run off, but good old little Scott finds a wallet. Yep, and he finds out that it belongs to the water guy. Yeah, that's what it says on his driver's license. Yep. Water guy. Water guy. <laughs> He's a water boy. No, what, but what's his name really? Thirst? Yeah, it's thirst. Oh man. Yes. <laughs> it's terrible. Martin, just call him hydrate. <laughs> H2O. <laughs> water boy. <laughs> and they called him Water Boy. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh man. Well, so then we do get a scene though with the girl comes back up. Mm-hmm. And I really um I found this scene to be kind of mirror what we've been seeing in some of the other X-Books so far that's setting the tone for kind of where mutants stand now. Because remember we had the scene in Extraordinary X-Men where Jean was on the date and when the guy oh, yeah. found out she was a mutant, he flipped out and was like, oh, I can't believe I kissed her. Yeah. And then we had this girl who's like, oh man, not to be a bigot, but mutants, right? <laughs> Anything we say, not to be racist, but right. you know, this is coming. it's coming right <laughs> afterward. <laughs> phone still work she has one of those waterproof cases bs <laughs> the phone's like dripping with water and she's still like dee, 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 dee. actually well why why scott was fighting she threw it in a bag of rice in the microwave excuse me <laughs> have you not heard that terrible remedy that doesn't work on a wet phones yeah putting wet electronics in the microwave <laughs> <laughs> that was some like I won't attribute it to um, anonymous because they're more important than that. But that was some like internet scam, like that people put out there to try to get people to ruin their stuff. <laughs> mm. So I have something to say about Cyclops. Okay. 
I noticed here on the middle panel of this page that his glasses also have like the side uh, vision covered. Yes, so his, his optic glass don't sneak out the side. Don't want yeah, any, yeah, don't want I, any I, squirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly, which I haven't seen very often. So I'm glad someone paid attention to that. Yeah, I am too. Uh, it's a nice little a small detail, but an important detail. Mm-hmm. And then I got to wonder how um, frustrating that would be in your life where everything was one shade of, you know, Monog- hot pink, red. Right. Ish. That would, how infuriating that would be. Yeah, to live in monochrome. Yeah. I mean, to, to live your life as if you were playing the virtual boy all day. <laughs> no wonder he's always so cranky. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, so, did y'all get the same sense that he was kind of into the girl for like a short second? Yeah, until she said not to be a bigot, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she she never left put her phone down. How could any guy get hey, into a girl that's, who That's the age we live in. That's the age we live in. He's Scott's a young boy. And yeah. And his his brain may not be ruling things all the time. <laughs> no. I just if somebody did that to me, all I could think of is if we're on a date, are you gonna be tweeting everything we say? Are you gonna be Facebooking yeah. what we ate? Like well, Yeah, that's what that's what the kids do these days. No, you're on a date with me, not with my food. No, we text each other across the table. <laughs> that's what I, you do when you have I kids. Was, I heard this horrible story. On on um, fight for comics, where um, the guy was on a date with with this woman, and his friend texted him a message like, "Hey, can you come out with us?" And so he went to, meant to text back to his friend like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm on this terrible date with this woman. I'll be I'll be there. I'll ditch her and be there as soon as possible." <laughs> but he accidentally sent it to her. <laughs> uh. Wow, I'm sure that ended the date real fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, <laughs> Gotta be careful. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in that scene anymore. <laughs> That's the best part about being married, Georgie. You don't have to date. <laughs> I don't have time for any of that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need a wife. I need a maid. A maid. Ah, that's why Neil Young used to sing, A man needs a maid. Exactly. Yep. And I don't, and please don't take that disparaging towards women. It's not a, a slight of women. It's just. Right. No, he means it totally unmisogynistic, like he needs a sexy maid in a French outfit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want that? (laughs) With a little feather duster? (laughs) No, but there is something to be said when you come home and the house is clean and it smells clean and Mm -hmm. dishes are done and laundry's done. You're like, oh. Exactly. No, we hear you, Georgie. Actually, uh, I dressed as a French maid one year for for Halloween. Awesome. Did you wear fishnets? I wore stockings. (laughs) Fantastic. It's awesome. So, back to the comic after another uh, (laughs) 20-minute... Hey, that's um, that's why people really tune in. Exactly. Our bantor. Bantor. So we've got Young Iceman in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Yay. Because as he says later on, that, that Austin's pretty, all the hipsters are pretty cool. With yeah. Movies. Where young gay mutants can hang out and no one cares. I was a little disappointed when they started talking about how accepting it was. Mm-hmm. That there wasn't a Keep Austin Weird yeah, reference. 
Does Georgie know? About Georgie just had cricket, so I guess. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, so there's a big kind of like. It started back like in the late 80s, I think. Yeah. Um, but some people in Austin started making these Keep Austin Weird t shirts, and they're like bumper mm-hmm. stickers. It's kind of a campaign to like when they started like trying to upscale parts of Austin. Like a lot of the arts community and the college students and stuff like that were worried that it would change yeah. the culture too much. And so there's a real kind of pushback against it. And I think now it's mostly just an inside Texas joke. Then right. we people just kind of say, keep Austin weird. Uh, a few years ago, me and my buddy started saying, uh, keep Dallas douchey. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, love you, Dallas. <laughs> But uh, but yeah no I uh you know I spend trying to go down to Austin at least a couple of times a year it's a really fun place so I, I was glad and it is kind of a a hip a hipstery slash hippie kind of place so it would make sense that the mutants would be kind of just all right cool y'all are here whatever yeah, yeah. it kind of reminded me when the X Men moved out to San Francisco for a while mm-hmm. kind of that same kind of vibe like hey all right welcome yeah so. Iceman kind of explains, hey, it's cool. I can freeze. I can do whatever. <laughs> this all started a week ago because some guy had an armadillo on his T-shirt. I wish it would have been a longhorn. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Yeah, and use the mascot you got, right? Well, and then um, we, uh, Iceman's like, Sorry, y'all got to hang out in Hank's tiny little trailer. But it ain't so tiny. It's like a yeah. Harry Potter type trailer. <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter or what is it? Um... Doctor Who sort of uh, right. The inside's bigger than the outside. Yeah, yeah, and I like how they don't even bother explaining it. Nope. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, it's funny because Hank just says you didn't ask, and that's the end of the story. And we get a, a few like like lighthearted touch, uh, touches here. Uh, Beast says, "Can I interest you in a cherry slushy?" And Bobby <laughs> says, "There are slushies." And Beast is like, "Bobby." Of course, there are slushies. Right. And they'll be even more once you make them with your ice powers. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a couple of, of hints throughout the book of this, like, lighthearted... Uh, yeah. No, definitely. Which I think, I, I, I hope there's more of the, in the book moving forward. I agree. So then we skip back to, to uh, Cyclops, who is searching for Mr. Deprez, or Thirst, as we now <laughs> dislike to call him. And... This is so 90s. Like, I'm having flashbacks to, like, 1994 reading Generation X because right. just the, the way that the women stand, the way that their legs are drawn, the fashion, I feel like Mr. Bagley is, is living in decades past. Right. How old is Bagley? Oh, upper 50s, probably. Yeah, so he probably is stuck in a time. I mean, he started in, in the mid-90s. He was probably a young buck back then, but... So there's a possibility. He might he might be in his 40s, maybe, but I don't know. I guess the point I'm trying to get at is he probably is stuck in a time warp. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I thought the, the wardrobe also reminded me a lot of his first run on Ultimate Spider-Man. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, well, like I said, Bagman kind of has this thing he does. and, and It's a thing. It's a thing. Well, he's not like an untalented artist, but it's it's definitely hits him. Right. You don't mistake him for anyone else. Nope, not at all. I you know I will say I'm glad that he moved away because he he took on Amazing Spider-Man right after Eric Larson left. Mm-hmm. I think there was some pressure on him to draw kind of larceny. 
Mm-hmm. When he first came on, so I'm glad he at least moved away from that fairly quickly and kind of did his own thing. So, I mean, like you said, I mean, no one else draws like him. He doesn't draw like anybody else, and it is what it is. Yeah, so Cyclops has decided that he's going to use the campus library to search for the guy <laughs> on the campus. And right away he's spotted because, what are, you, what are you doing? There are other places to use the computer besides... You know, you do your research away from the place you're going to go ransack, not like at the place you're going to right. ransack. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, be prepared, Cyclops. Be uh, prepared. So no surprise, Thirst shows up in, in the cool mask and just... Uh, are you, so we got another panel of water. What do you think, Denise? Well, now we get to see his mouth. Yeah. yeah. Last time it was off panel that he had the big movie mouth. I still love the water. Like, take extract the people and the keyboard, and I still love the water. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm not digging his little douchey curl. <laughs> that needs to go and away. And his hair and his soul patch. Yeah. 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 But he does have his own sound effect. Both times he had a whoosh. Not enough whooshes. <laughs> okay, his name doesn't make sense. Thirst. No, no, it doesn't. Because yeah. right. he barps out water. It's ironic. Like, oh, are you thirsty? Here. Gross. <laughs> so the question is, is his body constantly producing water so he always has to expel it? Or is he Ooh. like sucking the water out from his body so afterward oh. he, he has to like really hydrate? I don't know. It's like an Iceman conundrum where he pulls the moisture out of the air around him. But see, he's pulling. I mean, that's gallons upon gallons. So he's not pulling it out of his body. Yeah, so it's just it's weird. Maybe he's got some kind of uh, like uh, refrigerator <laughs> stomach that's just, I don't know, a faucet. What's happening what, here? What was the really, really crappy explanation they used to have for Cyclops to, to make it so that his neck didn't break, that the optic blasts were like oh. came from a different dimension or something? <laughs> Water comes from a yeah. different dimension. You know, you know where it comes from? Water world. <laughs> <sighs> Perfect. It's, it fits the character. You know what? Was, <laughs> I'm going to tell a story for a friend one time. Why can't um, this guy go to California and fill up the lakes real quick? Right, yeah, in the drought. Um, but no, but so back when Water World came out. <laughs> There was a friend at one of my friends' school, and I don't know if he was really this dumb or if it was just a put-on, but he would walk around and ask people, Dude, what if it was real? You know, Waterworld. Wow. <laughs> he was really concerned that like, it would happen one day. Is that Andrew? No, 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 this is my, my friend Garrett. Just, just one of his dumb friends. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this time they're prepared for young Cyclops, and um, they turn the tables on him. They shoot their their radioactive claws and their, their little tar things, uh, their mud balls, their electricity, their, their power fist. Classically, young Cyclops flies into and knocks over a bookcase. Not so classically, we don't see the domino effect of all the other bookcases. <laughs> But, you know, you get what you get, right? Yeah, everywhere the X-Men go, there's destruction to follow. That's true. Then we come up to the panel that I can't stand. Okay. It's Angel and Laura in the kitchen. Oh, yes. What is wrong with her? Like, she's drawn bizarre. 
Well, so see, that, is, that's not a black tank top. That's a uh, dimensional void. And so she stuck her arm into her abdomen and it came out. <laughs> yeah, I don't... She's got like an extra elbow or something. <laughs> but it's not just that her face looks like off. It's... No, Bagley, when you move back, you can see two more panels down that when he pulls back a little bit, the detail really suffers and it's hard to tell what's going on with, with right. uh, people. So it's just like a, a failing of his art style. Well, I want to go to that park. Angel's got seven fingers. What? <laughs> I think it's a hot dog. <laughs> count his fingers. Count the nubs. I only count six. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could see where you could get seven. I do like that Laura's chopping vegetables with her claw. <laughs> I like that. But, but yeah. then again, I feel like, do you really want to eat things that hurt? <laughs> well, it's, it's like Kramer like making salad bad. in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So we're probably still in Austin. I bet that Zilker Park where ACO is. You know, a bunch of people dancing in the park, having a good old time. Kid Apocalypse is out there just jamming. Looks like fun. Yeah, got Beast or someone philosophizing about how they didn't change the future. The future changed us. Yeah, it's probably still Cyclops, yeah. You think so? I, I couldn't I tell because so. originally I thought it was Angel. Yeah, I But then I thought it was Beast, and now I'm not sure. Well, because anytime Cyclops thinks, it's Oh, it's in red. red. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know who... Is yellow? Is yellow angel? Because well, it was in the first scene. But I think it's beast. I think it's beast talking over other scenes. Uh, well, because it does say we've been here now months and months, and I still don't understand this place. So it's somebody who. Yeah, it's one of the new all new X Men. So maybe it is beast. I don't know. It's too smart sounding to be angel. <laughs> yes, it's definitely not angel. It doesn't say low. Low. So as someone is is pontificating in their in their mind about the situation they're in, you know, Al, uh, Scott is getting beat to hell. Yeah, and they're they're ready to uh, kill him basically, and thanks to a lucky distraction by an old man, <laughs> um, Cyclops is able to take off his uh, shades and give him a, a little bit of what for with a kazat. Kazat. I will say the setup on this seemed a little too forced. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, hey, what would Cyclops do? And they talk about it and talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Where are their bracelets? Where are their WWCD bracelets? I have no, <laughs> no idea. But that, that whole thing just seemed overly set yeah. up. Yeah. When he pulls off the glasses, gives them a full page optic blast. And it's strong enough to set off the sensor that Beast has set up. Yeah. Beast in his Hawaiian shirt. So this is probably the the best part of the comic here. <laughs> yes. What is the you want to talk about this? Yeah. So what do we got? What do we? What is Beast using to get his little magic bus around? You are my magic bus. So Beast has his own pet Bamf. Yay! It's storage pod underneath the computers. Yeah. Comes up, teleport them around. Yeah, and the Bamf has a name. It's a horrible name. Pickles. I love the name, but Denise really, really hates pickles, like the actual pickles. So she has an inversion. Pickles are awful. Can't stand them. But anyway, the Bamps in there eating uh, off-brand or brand X for X-Men, Pringles, and watching some TV show on the iPad. Yeah, I love that he's, he's 
got a tablet there like a little little kid. Just right. Settle down. Yeah. You just well, I mean, Beast made him a little bed. He has a little pillow and a helmet for something. Oh, it's like um, the... the movie The Christmas Story, where the the younger son likes to hide underneath the sink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just got his own little little pad down there. Right. I love his little tooth. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, he does have one little tooth sticking out. One little fang. So anyway, uh, Beast tells Pickles. 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 It's time to go somewhere. Yep. We're gonna gonna follow Cerebro to Cyclops, who is somehow able. So I guess he closes his eyes in this little scene where we have the kind of the optic blast fizzing. That would be my yeah. guess. And the other put his glasses back on. So. So anyway, all the kids are all the 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 mutant gangsters are confused because they're like, "Whoa, it's, it's Cyclops!" But, 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 but he died. Yeah. Then, yeah. then Cyclops is like, "Cyclops is dead." My name is Scott Summers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was a little confused because I thought the thirst guy was like the leader, but then the big beast-looking guys, like, pick him up, we're taking him with us. I don't think anybody's in charge. I think it's, uh... A whole bunch of chiefs and no Indians. Yeah, it's, it's power by committee. Yeah. But yeah, so they decide they're gonna take uh, Cyclops with them. I mean, here's their hero in the flesh, right? But thankfully, the all-new X-Men show up in the last panel. Right, trailer and all. <laughs> so this trailer bamps into the middle of the library. <laughs> with Laura and Angel, so did they bamf to Laura and Angel first? Huh. And then bamf back? Must have. Must have, yeah. Alright, I mean, wait <laughs> these costumes here. I don't really like new costumes. Which one, specifically, which ones are you not digging on? Well, um, with I, the X-Men, they had the costume change maybe halfway through the last run. Right, when they left the Voltron uniforms and... Yeah, and I, I just, I don't know. It's very generic. Yeah, I agree. I like uh, Wolverine's costume. Yeah. But, yeah, the rest are well, okay. Well, doesn't even have a costume. Well, he has an X on his belt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, in the other comic, we're going to talk about older Iceman as a turtleneck. So, you know, pick your battles. I just kind of looked at it as he had an... Bill an X for a belly button. Okay. X marks the spot. <laughs> right, right over here, gentlemen. <laughs> right. <laughs> the only two costumes that bug me are ID and Kid Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy about angels either. It's not bad. Well, like you said, Georgie, there's kind of, eh, okay. Here they yeah, are. They're not terrible, but they're just sort of forgettable. Right. I do like, the, the, the part I do like is that they're kind of unified in theme. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that would really kind of apply to the younger X, like these all new younger X-Men who would want to kind of like have a sort of a uniform or whatever. For sure. So, so that part I liked. But um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's that. That's all yeah, new that's X-Men. <laughs> so before we talk about our grades. Um, friend of the show, Andrew, sent him, he knew what we were going to record on tonight, so he sent some thoughts about these two books, and I just want to read his all-new X-Men thoughts real fast. Yo. So here's what Andrew had to say. And uh, thanks for sending these, Andrew. I appreciate it. 
Andrew says, all new X-Men was delightful. Solid Bagley art with some really interesting panel design. Don't like his Laura as much as I do in her solo series. Too slender and not as Logan-ish. But I love the Iceman look and the Cyclops eye blast. The story was really fun to read and had a lighter feel you don't often get in the next book. Can't wait to see what comes next. Five out of six claws for me. So let's talk about the art real fast. What did um what did we all think of the art? Denise, you kind of said the least about it, so why don't you? Um, I wasn't overly fond of it. Okay. I um, it wasn't really memorable, and it wasn't when your favorite part is the way the water is drawn. <laughs> um, yeah. Art wise, I I wasn't digging it. I enjoyed the water, yes, but that was I think the only part I enjoyed. Okay. Georgie, what about you? It was very nostalgic, as I said. And, you know, when I was, uh, you know, mid-90s, I did a lot of drawing. You know, just I would, I would try to repeat panels I saw that I thought were interesting. Yeah. And so um, it reminds me of a lot of stuff I used to draw back in the day. Um, so it, it has a nostalgic feel that, that hits me in a, in, a, in a good spot. But looking at it from fresh eyes now, it, it doesn't really hold up in a way that, you know, compared to what's being put out now, and, and my own tastes are much more stylized than than what this is. So right. I feel like this is a little bit boring. Okay. Overall, um, I I would say based on just talking to him that that Andrew probably liked it a lot more than I did. Mm-hmm. But I do think his description of solid is apt for me. I thought it was just a nice, solid, consistent artwork. Um, like I said, I was kind of. On and off with the color work, I felt like it worked really well in some scenes. It was just a little bit cartoony in some other scenes. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I really identify with Andrew's thoughts was the portrayal of Wolverine. And to be fair, this is very consistent with how most people have drawn her historically. Okay? And also, to be fair, usually when I complain about the way dudes draw women, it's because... with especially younger women, you often find them too over-sexualized. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case here. There's no. nothing like objectifying or sexual about the way he draws Wolverine. What I didn't realize that I loved until I saw it in the in the new volume of All New Wolverine is I really, really dig her looking more like Wolverine mm-hmm. and being squattier, athletic, and so reverting back to, to this, which like I said, is how she normally looks for most artists. But going back to it after seeing her in All New Wolverine, I don't like it as much. I agree. Yeah, it looks, it looks normal. Yeah, I mean, she's just, a, a, she looks too tall. I mean, and that's the thing. I, I like her being shorter and squattier and, and more physically like Wolverine. And whereas this, she's kind of just a normal young adult. I mean, she's fit still. Like, that's good, but not the, I don't know. And like I said, it's one of those things I didn't really notice that I was missing until I saw it in, yeah. in All New Wolverine. I was like, oh, yeah, this is how she should look. <laughs> and so now when I don't get that, I'm a little disappointed. But, but overall, I th- like I said, I thought the art was solid. I thought that was a good description. And um, I liked it, didn't love it. Yeah. Same here. It so, what do we think of the story? Do we have? As, do we think it was as much fun as Andrew did? I think it's taken a while to put things together. I wasn't really pulled into it, but it wasn't terrible either. It was sort of 
standard comic book stuff. I, I mean, I, I, it's you know, it, it's maybe even worse when you can't think of anything negative to say. It was just sort of there. <laughs> yeah, I I found it palatable. <laughs> I'm not intrigued at all to find yeah. out who wins, who takes Scott, who really gives a crap about Scott. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just I'm like, mm, okay, next. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be more on the fun side. I actually kind of enjoyed reading it. Um, I agree. Well, the concept was cool. The actual bad guys we had were were pretty forgettable. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea of these kind of younger mutants kind of taking on the mantle of of Cyclops. I really like the idea, and and hopefully, didn't really get into this too much, but the psychology of like kind of falling. And worshiping someone you didn't really know or understand, and just assuming, well, hey, they probably meant this, and this is what we're going to do in their name, whether it's really right or not. And unfortunately, because of the way everything played out, we don't know what Cyclops actually did um, or how terrible it really was. So maybe they're perfectly in step with that. I don't know, but I like the idea of of taking like kind of this, kind of posterizing this person and and taking the name and and trying to do something with that. And I, I hope, I don't really necessarily care if we see any of these particular characters again, but I hope this idea comes back. I do, yeah, I do like the idea. And there's some fun character pieces in here. I just feel like it's taking, it's not gelling in a way that has me enthused to come back. So, okay. Well, yeah. Um, I enjoyed, you know, I've been really, and if you've been reading my reviews uh, at Inner Comics, a little plug, um, you know, I've been given Extraordinary X-Men pretty high marks, but it's definitely a very dour book, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed this one being more lighthearted sure. and being more fun, and you know, like Andrew said, and, and um, like I wondered which hopeless we were going to get, you know, you don't often get a lot of really just fun X-Men books, and so I thought it was a nice little change of pace, and I think if... You know, we still kind of have to see what Uncanny, the new Uncanny is going to be. Mm-hmm. But right now we have two kind of polarly, polarly opposite X-Men books. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that. I like that there's kind of a little something for everybody. All right. Well, so when are we going to grade all new X-Men number one? Oh. What do you got, Denise? Uh, I'm just going to give it a three out of six. I'm giving it middle of the road just because... I think there's someone out there that might enjoy it more than me. Andrew did. <laughs> yeah. So, but otherwise, I just, it wasn't memorable. I'm not excited for the next one. In fact, you're probably going to, you are probably going to have to go, hey, you need to read this. And I'm going to go, <laughs> which one is that one again? Because <laughs> I'm not excited about it. And then it hooked you. It's not. And I hate to bring this up because this isn't a Walking Dead podcast, but every issue you get me, I when I'm done, I'm like, oh, I have to wait a month. And that's, I guess, my curve. Like, I want, when I get to the end, to go, ooh, when am I going to get the, like, when does the next one come out? I have to find out what happens. Uh-huh. And this one didn't, it, yeah. It didn't do that. I think I'm right there with, with Denise. I'm going to give okay. it three six claws it was standard comics with not a real big hook at the end i like the concept of people sort of uh following 
what they believe to be Cyclops's footsteps. It's uh, a little bit of like the Acolytes when Magneto went away for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they're very forgettable character designs, and, and Thirst is such a... <laughs> and, and are we wrong, or is he the only one that had a name? That's all we got so far. Okay, all right. So, it's not bad. Um, I'll give it three out of six, and I'm hoping that maybe there's, there's more fun to be had in the issues to come. Okay. Well, I'm going to go a little bit higher, kind of straddle the difference between you guys and Andrew. I'm going to give it four out of six claws. I had enough fun reading it. And I do, I thought the character work was pretty good. Uh, Georgie, you talked about kind of some of the interaction. I really uh-huh. enjoyed that part of it more so than the plot or the bad guys or whatever. But I really, I am really interested to see what um, we do with young Cyclops going forward and just whether he can kind of overcome the weight of of having the same genes, <laughs> you know, as this this supposedly allegedly villain you know that that older cyclops turned out to be mm-hmm. in the end here um and yeah i'm just looking forward to a fun book so i'm gonna go four out of six claws and that is all new x-men number one hey guys jason here georgie and denise are both gonna stay on the episode and talk with us about the next issue of extraordinary x-men but um Matt Wilmot, who's actually, or who's also been talking about that series with us, um, sent in some thoughts, and he sent them while we were recording, but unfortunately, I uh, got so carried away with talking with Denise and Georgie that I did not see it till after the fact. So I'm going to plug it in here so we can have his thoughts, which are really good, and, you know, it's, it's fine to have them separate. The only drawback is that uh, when we talk about the issue, uh, Georgie and Denise and I will not be able to respond directly to them because we've already talked about it. <laughs> it's time travel. Ooh. Anyway, here's what Matt has to say about Extraordinary X-Men number three. Sadly, there is little of the Rasputins or Mr. Wagner in this issue of Extraordinary X-Men, but what we do get is something of substance. A scene which not only propels the characters of Gene and Logan forward, but deals with their very long and very turbulent history. Yes, this is time-displaced Gene and Old Man Logan, but they are both aware of what happened to their other selves, and this is a huge obstacle for them to climb over. This is really the core of the issue, these two former friends and unrequited lovers trying to find their place in the world and with each other. Neither can move forward without the other, and it does a real nice job of sorting out the vast history between them. The other side of the issue is a good old-fashioned fight. It wouldn't be an X-book without some rough and tumble. While Ramos doesn't get much to do with Gene and Logan, it's made up for with this fight at the X-School. Storm looks incredible. Bobby's Iceman army is great, and I hope they make it to future issues, and I am becoming a huge fan of the new Sentinel version of Cerebra. But hey, who doesn't love a snarky kill machine? Five claws out of six. So, besides Matt just being awesome, and by the way, follow Matt at Twitter, or on Twitter, at Geek Without Fear. But besides just loving his reviews and his demeanor and, and just being a good friend, I also really enjoyed his review because with his rating and what, what we're going to talk about in a minute, we literally, and I won't spoil who, does, who says what, but... <laughs> This issue, Extraordinary X-Men number three, we literally cover almost every possible grade between everyone that, that chimes in. So, you have that to look forward to, but um, 
just again, thank you, Matt, for sending that in. Sorry, I I didn't see it on time to 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 put it with, because I know you would love to hear what Georgie says about what you say, <laughs> but um, maybe next time. But anyway, again, thanks, and uh, we'll we'll go back to the the conversation. By the way, also thank you, Matt, for a, a succinct review, because uh. Me and Georgie and Denise chase a lot of rabbits in this next section, and um, it takes us a while to get there. <laughs> so anyway, enjoy. So while Georgie's here, we're going to also talk about Extraordinary X-Men number three. Um, this is... None of these books have titles anymore. These all have, like, chapter titles. Anyway, this is written by Jeff Lemire, pencils by Humberto Ramos, Inks by Victor Olazaba, colors by Edgar Delgado, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Ramos and Delgado do the cover. And on the cover, we have Young Gene and Old Man Logan not quite embracing, burning in a ring of fire. Ring of yeah. fire. <laughs> um, it's a decent enough cover, I guess. It's very Ramosy. The Gene and Logan part's not bad. The Ring of Fire um, kind of falls victim to what we're going to get on the inside. Yes. I'm glad we're, we're thinking the same way on this. Yeah. Yeah, there were parts inside the book that I was like, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah, so basically in this book, young Gene and old man Logan bond over being displaced. And then um, they rejoin the X-Men and Limbo just in time to help fight off some demons. So that's the short version. Um, I'm going to do it backwards this time. I'm going to give Andrew's little email first, and then we'll talk about kind of our thoughts on the the issue. Let's do it. All right. So Andrew says here, um, Extraordinary X-Men let me down after loving the first two issues. Oh, wow. I thought the art was a complete mess and at times absolutely awful to look at. He says, in quotes, Gene Face is now a living dreadful thing and it might kill us all. Gene! (laughs) The story didn't really advance much outside of getting old man Logan to join up. Felt like filler. And then he goes off on a little rant. (laughs) He says, oh, and I hate Storm's stupid midriff costume. I know we have to suspend logic when reading comics. But even in a world where Cyclops' eye blasts somehow work without breaking his neck or disintegrating his eyelids, I can't believe that Storm's pants would stay on during a fight. Or during a walk. Or while standing still. (laughs) (laughs) That costume is the worst. I'm still in to see what's next, but hoping this is an anomaly and not what to expect going forward. He gave it two out of six claws, but he said they're both foot claws. He just can't get past the art. It killed him. Gene faces the call it is something that happens in Oliver Amos's books with all the women that he draws. Yes. It's a big issue I have with his artwork. But it's been egregious in this book so far. Yeah. And and particularly to Gene, with her just being super contorted, especially when she tries to be angry or defiant or anything like that. Or or I don't know. Overall, um I thought the art and so the focus of the book is really the conversation between Gene and Logan kind of interspersed with these limbo fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought the art, other than Gene face, which is definitely a thing, I thought the art in the conversation part was actually not bad. Mm-hmm. 
the art in Limbo was pretty bad. Um, I thought, and and I guess it was disappointing too because in the last issue, we had that big double page spread when they revealed where Exhaven was in Limbo, mm-hmm. and the demons and the monsters were very well drawn, and the inking made them very distinct. Mm-hmm. And they looked kind of scary or whatever. Whereas I felt like all of the demons in this issue. It was hard to even really tell what they what was going on or what they were. Yeah, it was a it was a mess of color and lines in the background of every yes. fight scene. Yeah, I feel like someone gave a three year old a pen <laughs> and said, "We need demons." Right, and I think the most unfortunate kind of setback to that is that it takes what was set up as like this really kind of intimidating, like we got to fight all these evil monsters, keep them out of our home. And it completely robbed it of any kind of, like, threat. Like, the demons look so poor, you weren't worried about the (laughs) X-Men. No, because you couldn't tell what they were doing. Right. (laughs) I feel like like, we're almost trying to fill up every panel, like, to the the brim. And it had the opposite effect of just, it became nothing. Yes, I agree. Uh, In fact, I think I said in my review something to the effect of, his attempt to fill up all the panels with carnage robbed them of any actual carnage. Yeah. Well, and there's a panel in there that I literally stopped and like visually was like, okay, I think that's a hand. So if this line moves to here, then would that make <laughs> this a face or... And when you have to stop and analyze like what it is you're actually looking at, mm-hmm. then you, you lose... You lose that momentum that you have, and I think that he was trying to that fast action. Things are going, and there's no time to think, kind of a thing. And you mm-hmm. got that in the last book, and I, it this was so discombobulated with like, is this a two-headed monster, or is that the backside of another <laughs> one, or is that, that just like some piece of rock in the background? Right. right? Yeah. That this fast-paced motion that they're trying to achieve no longer exists because mm. you're so confused as to what you're actually looking at. Yeah. It's, he just needed the most empty negative space in the background. It just it, Every page, I was like, oh, God, this is so busy. I don't even <laughs> want to look at it anymore. Right. Now, I did still think the writing was pretty good overall. Yeah, um, um, I'm not a big, if you know, I think uh, as far as inner comics goes, Jack is a big Lemire fan, and yes. Dan very much not so. Right. <laughs> yeah, they kind of bump heads over that. And I have not read much of his, but I was not upset by this. I wasn't, like, blown away, but it was a good good, good step, I thought. Yeah. Did you read the first two? I uh, just sort of skimmed through them. Okay. I do have a, one, well, they're both, one's a question, one's more of a commentary. So, does Delgado always just use a font to sign his covers? Uh, he has a signature, yeah. Yeah. Because here it just looks like someone typed it. Yeah, Yeah. and that's pretty much what it always looks like. Ramos is always scribbled, because they do do many, many covers together, and it pretty much always looks like that. Okay, just checking. And then my comment is, so did anyone else feel like this cover had a biblical feel to it with, like, the burning bush... And like Dante's Inferno. I didn't catch that at all, but I see what you're saying because the flame all kind of circles back to that tree. And then yeah. you have like the mountains, which 
you know, seem ethereal. Right. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, the, the cover might be the best piece about the whole the whole issue here. Yeah. I did like kind of the last page with the team all together. It was pretty nice. I thought it was interesting. You know, one of the things... <laughs> One of the things that y'all both immediately said to me, uh, Denise in person and Georgie, you tweeted me before we started recording, y'all both immediately jumped on the fact that Jean is um, still misusing her powers. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. She, she says, oh yeah, I, I knew, I was already in your mind. Like, what are you doing? How right. many times do people have to tell you you don't do that? Well, and so Georgie, Jason and I were trying to go back and forth. Didn't she already promise she was not going to invade people's minds. She's just like Professor X. He always promises he won't do it, and he's always doing it. Right. I agree. I will. I will say. So the only thing, because she's a bitch. <laughs> she <laughs> is the worst. I I I appreciate that it is continuing from what Bendis started with her, and that it fits the character that she's been since she's come back. That she's kind of impetuous. Um, she kind of uses her powers without permission. I mean, at this point, <laughs> is even kind of raping because Logan's like, uh, "Please don't." And yeah. she's like, "Oh, don't worry. You don't mean you don't mean to say no." Yeah. Like, it was yeah. very creepy and like. And the fire coming out of her eyes. Right. <laughs> Looking into my eyes. Yeah, it was. It's really weird. And I hope my hope is that by doing this and making this her arc, which it has been from the beginning since Ben has brought her back. I'm hoping that Lemire eventually that there are some consequences to this. Like that something either happens to her or she, she kicks something off this this negative and bad and that there's some kind of ramification to her just abusing her powers. Well, the thing is, I think as a reader we notice, but the characters that inside the story don't seem that put off by it. Right. Like, so oh, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think Lemire or even anyone in the, in the ex-offices really cares. Um, I would, that, that's the storyline I'd like to see, her like mature about her, the use of her powers, but she doesn't care, and the people in the stories don't care. Right. It's just... Well, and I... So the scene where... You know, she invades Logan's mind and he's like, I asked you not to do that. And then she's like, oh, I didn't realize you had a family. And then, you know, they have this this monologue back and forth. And then he goes, fine, I'll go with you. I don't really think Wolverine would have done that. And I know he goes, I can't say no to you, Gene. Yes, you can. No. (laughs) I don't see Wolverine doing that. I don't see... In my mind, I can't see how Wolverine can't separate his gene from this gene. And why would he even be in love with Gene is a whole nother <laughs> podcast. Yes, we've all we've all discussed kind of our preferences on on Wolverine's love of life. And um what Georgie, are you a you a pro Wolverine being in love with Gene or anti? So I I totally see it because he's the runt, he's the misfit, he's, you know, the, the, he would, if we're talking like high school terms, he would not be Mr. Popular, right? Right. The, the hairy, short guy who, <laughs> you know, he's, he's got an attitude, would not be popular. And there's this like gorgeous cheerleader. Of course he's going to be infatuated with her, right? Right. It's just natural. So I think his love for her is really this like deep, 
like infatuation that he has with the concept of being with her and maybe not necessarily he's in love with Jean the person right well and you know kind of retcon makes sense after origin came out when you learn about Rose and kind of mm-hmm. that kind of kicks off like this just obsession with redheads I've yeah. always been more of a fan of him and Mariko or even him and Storm makes more sense to me it definitely but, makes more sense but yeah, um, there are a couple other things to kind of point out before we before we uh, conclude on this book. It kind of bothered me at first that that Logan was so um, skittish. Yeah. Like it didn't feel like Logan, but then you know it probably didn't make Denise very happy that the Gene was the one that kind of snapped him out of it. But I was I was glad that someone kind of spoke what I was thinking. <laughs> like, this isn't the Wolverine I know. And, and someone in the comic actually said that. And so I appreciated that. They're like, kind of made him realize, Hey, no matter what Wolverine is always going to fight back. So I was glad he kind of came back to the team and whatever. The other thing that, that I thought was really fun, uh, George, I don't know if you noticed, but they kind of, I feel like Lemire kind of trolled, uh, basically the whole internet. <laughs> <laughs> when he talked about like uh, Wolverine was like hey aren't the X-Men in space though because <laughs> <No. laughs> that was like what everybody's fear was was that like yeah. after Secret Wars the, you know with the Terrigen cloud oh yeah yeah I forgot it was, yeah. was going to be like a new like X-Planet or whatever yeah. and all the X-Men like left to go to so that was really fun that, that you mentioned it and then both characters acted like well no of course not that's a that's a stupid thing to do <laughs> So I had fun with that. Um, any other kind of general comments on Extraordinary X-Men number three? A few. Okay. Um, first off, uh, you talked last time about Magic, who is one of my favorite characters. Yes. And um, like like you said, it was disappointing her use in the Bendis book. Right. I would have liked to have seen more like study with Doctor Strange or some more character development. Yeah. And then her and... and uh, Colossus not being in the book the whole book was really disappointing for me they're like my two favorite characters on the team I, I didn't want to go a whole issue without seeing them that was disappointing right. yeah, I think based on the cover to number four they'll probably be front and center in that book but yeah I agree it was kind of it was kind of weird that there wasn't at least like one panel like oh hey remember these guys <laughs> yeah but yeah I don't know then moving on um I'm, I'm disappointed there's no eye crawl, night crawler in here as well. That's so. true, yeah. Sad. And then to jump back on the, the gene face, um, <laughs> but this is something I think needs to be talked about a little bit more because Ramos ha- has a, a knack of drawing women like 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 porno stars, uh, like the, the facial expressions, and okay. a lot of times their, their, their body uh, proportions as well. There, there are famous you know times where he, he draws... Um, What's her name? Uh, Peter Parker's ex-wife. Oh, Mary um, Jane. Yeah, we're just like, dude. That just, it looks so much like some kind of hentai, you know, sexualized. I always feel like he based her off of Pamela Anderson. Yeah, it's just it's too much. He needs to dial it down. If you look <laughs> at the character description page, the the opening, Magic also has a very like porny face going on. <laughs> like tussled hair like ready for bed sort of it's I, that's that's my pr- biggest problem with extraordinary X-Men is the, the artwork on here the other thing is so I like Iceman 
when I'm a big Age of Apocalypse fan, and in Age of Apocalypse, Iceman was what they called it was like an alpha mutant. Like he was very powerful in very unique ways. And it's it's you know fifteen years later, twenty years later, and he's still like in the main continuity. Just I'll, I'll, I'll slide around some ice and I'll shoot some ice. And right. He needs to like learn to, to use his powers in more interesting ways. Well, I did like he had like an ice army in this issue. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. And that's sort of taken from the Bendis run. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I think there was some predating that where he would make like ice dummies. Mm-hmm. I think. I need I need him to grow a little bit. <laughs> so I guess that's those are my comments. Right. Anything else you want to throw out there, Denise? Um, besides that, I don't like Jean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I agree with Georgie. I don't like her Jean's faces at all. They are very pornish and very. She's always got one piece of hair always falling. You yeah. Know, in her face and. She is kind of rapey when she <laughs> goes after Logan and he tells her not to. I'm not digging the fight scene down in, and didn't we have this discussion where Iceman has to pull he has to pull water vapor from the air, but they're in hell. When they're right? in limbo. Yeah. yeah, but it seems like everything's on fire. Yeah, it's so pretty pretty dry down there. It's a dry yeah. heat. How is he able to <laughs> not melt? I don't know. I don't know. I just that I thought that was kind of a flaw. I don't. I realize now I don't like Iceman in a uniform. <laughs> I I like when he's hey, just. You miss the '90s and the cargo shorts. Oh, yeah. Gross. <laughs> no, I guess I just kind of like the fact that he's just made of ice. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, someone pointed out that it may have been Matt uh, Georgie that, that well, said that. Having kind of a little bit of armor, like kind of the body armor, would make sense. Because just because you can have ice powers doesn't mean you want to take a bullet to the chest. No, I, like I can understand him wanting to wear it, but visually it looks awkward. Yeah, it does. Yeah, maybe if it wasn't black and gray, maybe if it was just another shade of blue or just white, that mm-hmm. would make more sense. I also, I'm not overly fond of Professor X randomly showing up whether he's a vision or not like i don't know why that bugs me but when when oro saw professor of storm storm yeah that's an easy way to do when storm saw professor x i was like really did we have to go there couldn't it just be the inside voice in her head um and those pants do get lower every issue they do and her boobs oh, get bigger. Oh, the waistline, you mean? Yeah. 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 And her boobs get bigger. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's limbo, rough. baby. Yeah, well, limbo. Yeah. She's, you know she's even... definitely shaving. Otherwise, there's there's hair popping out. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and <laughs> she's had a boob job, too, because those puppies stand at attention. Right. So w- w- with a mohawk, do the carpets match the drapes? I don't know. Oh, boy. Look at that. Like... Yeah. I'm sure when she swims, they float. Cause <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with you, um, but it, it's very sort of the way of things in comics. But also, yeah. I agree with you. Like, this is something we should be moving away from. Yeah, like so. The last panel, you know, it's got Storm and Jean and and everybody, but it's like Jean's boobs are so big that the pockets 
on her jacket. I'm about to pop open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, really? Do we, do we have to stoop to that level to have a strong woman? Because that's just not realistic. I, I need to uh, ask you, Denise, because I can't remember. I think you guys covered one issue, but the Black Widow book, I felt, did a very excellent job of, of drawing uh, a woman who would need to be physically fit yes. and tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about one of the issues that when, when Wolverine, previously X-23, was in there, um, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed her appearance in that book, but th- that book was astounding. Um, yeah. And Noto just home run after home run every issue. But yeah, no, his Black Widow was very... And the thing is, like... And I don't know if this is more or less sexist to say, but like, none of the characters were ever ugly. Like, they weren't really even normal no. looking, but they weren't over-sexualized either. Like, like she was still very attractive. She was still, mm-hmm. like, you can understand, like, this is a super spy. She can use that, you know, physical aspect if she needs to, but... But yeah, she just looked like a woman who could take care of herself. Yeah, And I think exactly. also a lot of the difference, and especially, you know, kind of going back to the 90s and early 2000s, and unfortunately, a lot of this still persists. You know, it's one thing to have a beautiful woman doing stuff. It's another thing, like, I think a lot of the posing has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's, it, not in this book, it was actually in the other book, there's a panel of X-23, and the way she's drawn with her back curved and her her rear end is sticking out. It's like nobody stands that way <laughs> ever. Right. So I don't mind women being sexy. I don't mind them having boobs. What I mind is when they look completely fake and over-sexualized because I feel like if a young girl picks up this book She's going to think, for me to be strong, I have to have a teeny tiny little waist and really big chichis. Right. That's why every young girl should read Miss Marvel. Yeah. So Miss Marvel is, is so, so good. Yeah. Anyway, that's my rant. On- <laughs> oh, it's, worth, it's worth discussing for sure, especially yeah. when, when Ramos is drawing a book. I mean, if you look at Bagley's art, um, well, I may not like it. The same issues don't persist in his book. Right. I agree. There are- well, okay, let's be fair here. So if we're going to draw women with ginormous boobs, then where are the guys with the ginormous junk? I agree. Yep. Iceman should have a huge cock. <laughs> I mean, it's made of ice. He can do whatever he wants. Like, he can determine his own size. <laughs> that so. thing can be a kickstand. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I just... Where's the equality? Like, mm-hmm. if... If there was a comic book out there where guys were being drawn in, you know, scantily clad speedos, I think guys would be like, whoa. Yeah, but I think that's the age-old kind of invalid argument that guys used to make is that, well, Thor's running around with no shirt, all buff, you know. And, I mean, there's going to always be beefcake comics. Yeah. And there's there's going to always be people that want to buy that and that. I mean, there's a place in the market for it, and that's fine. I I applaud that, that Marvel seems to be trying to do something a little more inspirational, but not all the artists are quite there yet. And so, but I, I feel, I mean, do you feel that way, Georgie, that, that Marvel seems to be moving more towards a more diverse 
especially compared to DC for sure. Yeah. Um, they, not only is it more diverse art styles, but definitely uh, like a progression away from past sort of tropes right. and, and sort of maybe failings that we can say now uh, right. of, of past art styles. So yes, for sure, they are moving forward slowly. Right. Um, They're not quite where Image is, which is really ironic when you consider that when Image first came out, mm-hmm. it was all these sexy artists being super yeah. sexy. <laughs> and now, a, now they have the most kind of, I wouldn't say realistic, because the art's not really like photorealistic at all, but they have mm-hmm. the most real feeling, I think, art in a lot of ways, as far as yes. just different all the heroes look different. There's all kinds of body types and whatever. But, you know, I mean, that's that's a debate that can go on forever. <laughs> yeah. Denise, there's a, there was a book called Gen 13 back in the day. I was just looking at some of those that I'm getting rid of. Um, part of what, part of moving my comics from a new comic room meant um, a little bit of a purge. Mm-hmm. And I ran across some of the original uh, J. Scott Campbell Gen X, or sorry, Gen 13 books. Yeah. And I just kind of flipped through them and, a couple of thoughts came to mind. A, shame on me <laughs> for buying comics as a teenage boy. And and two, like, I you know, there's some stuff in my collection, like, for example, Saga, that yes. I don't want Ethan to read because he's just not old enough. Mm-hmm. Okay? But then there's some stuff like that that I don't want him to read because I don't want him to ever feel that way about women or men or whatever, you know, he ends up being into. Yeah. Um, like the objectification is just not okay. Yeah. And I, I went through, I just kind of flipped through some of the, the first couple of issues of that. And like just a complete, like almost comical Austin Powers niche of the sexiness. Oh yeah. Like, like, you know, you have the girl jumping out of the lake and a tree branch like juts out and covers up her nipple, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> or there's like a splash of water that obscures her vajayjay. You know, and it's like, okay, yeah, this, there's, if there's a place for this, then just call it what it is and just have smut comics and fine. <laughs> you know, whatever. But don't, don't pass it off as, as. Did comics have ratings back then like these do? Uh, not the same way, no. no um, Image kind of helped kill the comics code, which was around oh. forever. Um, but no, they didn't really. You just kind of whatever. Okay. Well, that was a pretty healthy discussion. And, uh, <laughs> no, no, for serious, that was that was that was a good talk. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to do that. Right, and you know what's funny and what what's kind of sad about about some of those artists is they're actually really talented. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I look at J.K. Scott, I have a, a pinup he did of Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe, and it's amazing. <laughs> You know, or he did some really cool Wolverine covers for a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, so it, so his style is fine. It's just it's just some choices I just am not in line with anymore. Yeah. And, and it's just my evolution as a reader. It's kind of my evolution as a human being. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I just kind of moved past some of that. And, um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's fun to kick the tires on some of these conversations. Because, I mean... I don't know. I I don't think we'll ever be in a place because comics at its source are they're artistic, but they're entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's going to always be a sector of entertainment that appeals to all audiences, and every different audience needs their own entertainment. So I think there, I think there is a place for those kinds of comics. I just think 
people need to know what they're getting into. So if okay. that's what you want to buy, you go buy that. But if you want to buy like a good inspirational hero story, you don't get sideswiped with any of that. Right. I mean, you know, Ethan struggled in reading. And one of the things his teacher said was find something he likes because then he'll want to read. And Ethan was into comic books. Yeah, I was already reading some to him. Yeah. And so we just kind of switched it to where he started reading to me. Yeah. And, you know, it's sad that, you know, I think one of the, one of the hardest parts for me, just as, as a parent, you know, when I grew up reading comics, I just read comics. So yeah. I was reading at, you know, nine and 10, I was reading Uncanny X-Men and, you know, my parents didn't really check to see what I was reading, you know, for better or for worse. Yeah. You know, but for the most part, there were some kind of adult type topics, but there was nothing that would have like messed me up. And now you have kind of the all ages comics and the regular comics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm kind of torn because I don't want to say, well, you can't ever say damn or whatever in, in, the, in the regular comics. But it is kind of sad that I have to censor more what Ethan reads. I don't want him to just read the all ages. I want him to like get into the continuity and I feel like what he's reading is like part of the bigger universe that you get with reading like the main comics. Mm-hmm. And so, but I do have to definitely pick and choose what I let him read. Whereas I didn't really you didn't have, that. have to do that. And, yeah. and part of it is because like I said, my parents just said, well, we trust you to read what's right and they mm-hmm. kind of let me do what I want. Right. But you know, knowing comics, I know that I don't want <laughs> Ethan to read, you know, um, um, I forgot his name, but the guy's Garth Ennis Punisher. Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's just not appropriate. Yeah. You know? But, um, well, and it, it's also, you know, Ethan loves Rocket, Rocket Raccoon, loves him. I mean, dressed up as Rocket one Halloween. But then you read some of the stuff that has Rocket in it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, crap. Like, right. Yeah. Well, I was really disappointed because the Scotty Young series was amazing. And, you know, in the Guardians comic, Rocket has all these kind of fake cuss words. Yeah. And, you know, like the Fletch Harkin or whatever. But then in, the, in his series, like he had some real cuss words in there. And... It was nothing bad. I think it was like hell and damn. Like that, that was it. But it was like still, like this kid A, it looks like just because of Scotty Young's style, it looks like a kid comic book. Yeah. You know, like it looks like all ages. And then when it kind of wasn't, I was kind of bummed. But I mean, I still, I mean, luckily we have the relationship with Ethan. And the same thing with like all the movies we take him to see. And like we kind of let him like understand and he understands. And we have conversations about like, what did you read? What was good? What was bad? What was things you should like emulate? Because there are, I mean, part of the fun of reading superhero comics is you do see ideals. You know, one of the things I like to talk about and have talked about probably a lot, and I don't think I've mentioned it in a while, but, but reading X-Men like helped shape my worldview. For sure. Like, like these stories of kind of accepting people for who they are, for not being bigotrous or whatever. Like, that shaped kind of the way I'm open to things and whatever. And so there are things definitely when you read superhero comics that you want to emulate. And I think, but I think part of the important part of, of letting Ethan kind of read, having a wider reading, is that we've had to sit down and talk about, like, what are the things in this book or in this story that are worth 
being inspired by and what are some of the things that you shouldn't do. And so I think that's been kind of our approach to it. Um, I don't even remember why we're talking about this. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad we are, and I'm, 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 I'm glad to talk about it with you, George, just to get your perspective. But Yeah, I mean, I remember being younger and, and not having uh, maybe such a strict eye on what I was doing and yeah. things that were, may have been not specifically for my age group. But <laughs> I think you have to, like, breed a little bit of that into people. Right. Um, you have to give them a little bit of an, an, an edge at least I feel, I feel I benefited from maybe every once in a while getting a little bit of a shock of something that's maybe beyond what I should be looking at. Right. Oh, and it, grow, it, it grows you up. Yeah. Plus, like a lot of the young, at least uh, we're a couple of years different in age, but there's very famous lines in, for example, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle live action movie where <laughs> Raphael says damn and like hell right. a couple of times. Yeah. And there's the Transformers animated movie where the moon gets like sucked into Unicron, and, and Spike's Spike's dad goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> right. Well, it's kid. funny. We uh, recently, I well, I guess about a year ago, showed Ethan the Back to the Future trilogy. Uh-huh. And oh, I, Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters, and I I forgot the kind of the all ages movies back then were a lot different. Yeah. My one of my like I don't have a memory of this, but one of my mother's memory of 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 me is playing with cars at my grandmother's house and saying like this is gonna get some serious shit <laughs> <laughs> because that's, that's one of the lines right where you right. back to the future. <laughs> but I had no idea what I was saying. Of course, it just, right. you know, it's a line of the movie. So I think you know, twenty thirty years ago. It was much more relaxed about that kind of stuff. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was listening to um, I think it was Film Sack, uh, one of the one of the several kind of bad movie podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. And they were they were talking about uh, Stand by Me. Oh yeah, yeah. And they were exactly. talking about how like you you cannot, no matter the rating, get a movie made today where kids cuss like that. No. Yeah. And it's just it's 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 weird how kind of the more it's just kind of this weird give and take kind of tug of war between being kind of more open and more libertine in society and also in some ways being more puritanical mm-hmm. and kind of just the, the weird ebb and flow of that and how some things are okay in some situations but not in others. And yeah, it, it's hard, but I think, I think the most important thing is just to have the dialogue. Yeah. Um, I don't know. No, so, um, maybe we should rate this comic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe we should. If anybody's still listening at this point. Um, <laughs> Georgie, what do you want to give Extraordinary X-Men number three? Um, yeah, this is tough. Yeah, so I we- feel like it, in parts it's better than all new X-Men. In other parts it's worse. I feel like I should give this one a... F- oh, damn it. <laughs> you want to go first? Someone else want to go first? Yeah, I'll go. Andrew gave it two, so let's keep that in mind. I gave it a two as well. Okay. Because the way I broke it down is if art gets three and the story gets three, art got zero. (laughs) And I gave the story two just because now I feel like it's actually going somewhere. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it only got two out of six. I think I'm going to give it a three just like all new X-Men. Okay. Yeah. And you? 
Well, I'm going to copy Georgie. In that, I'm going to give it the same grade I gave All New. So I'm going to give it four out of six. I liked enough of some of the character stuff. Um, yeah. I, I, one of the things I really enjoyed that we didn't talk about, well, a couple of things. I really liked that Storm, because Storm's had different parts of her career as an X-Men where she's been a leader of a team. And I kind of feel like they're really moving her, or Lemire is trying to move her, towards kind of being a leader of mutants in general. Yeah. Almost like a Professor X, uh, Cyclops, when he was good, kind of role. And I think that is where Storm, like that's the logical kind of progression for Storm's character, mm-hmm. is to be like kind of the chief of the badasses. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I also really enjoyed kind of some of our younger mutant or our mid-level mutants, mm-hmm. like uh, Glob and uh, Anole. Like, like just their excitement of kind of being called up to the big league, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, those are good pieces, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I thought there was enough good. And I didn't, I hated the art in Limbo, but I didn't mind it in Canada. So, yeah, so all that kind of averages out to I'm going to give it four out of six. I want to see more of this um, this young girl who it looks like her powers like manifest in, in the book. Oh, and the uh, Demon Whisper girl? Yeah. Yeah. That I want to see more about. I'm interested to see where she goes. Yeah, that'll be really interesting. Cool. Well, that was a not so bonus link. <laughs> yeah, that was a edition extra of long, extraordinarily long. Yeah, <laughs> but it's okay. We got some good stuff, and you know, if you don't like some of our rabbit chasing, then I apologize. We'll try to be more straight laced next episode. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, one of the things we'll talk about next episode is my inability to talk about what's coming up. So I do want, <laughs> I do want to throw out that our next, our next flashback episode. Wait, the, one of the things I want to talk about that's coming up is my inability to talk about this. <laughs> yes, but so our next flashback will be from um, the mid to late eighties. A little issue called. Spider-Man versus Wolverine. Um, that was uh, back in the black Spider-Man costume days. So that'll be cool. fun. Um, and that'll have uh, Andrew on, who sent us some emails about tonight's episode. Uh, he'll be the, the guest co-host for that episode. Um, trying to get to that sometime in the next couple of weeks. So, and then, uh, you know, we'll obviously keep talking about the current comics. Um, but anyway, Georgie, thank you so much for coming on. Um, that was great. What do you What do you have to to plug, self promote, self aggrandize, whatever you want to do? I have work related things that I would love to plug, um, that I'm not sure I should be plugging. Okay. Oh, <laughs> remind me of that though when we quit recording. Um, I want to ask you about that game you mentioned last time because I think Ethan brought it up to me, but I want to make sure it's the right oh, game. Sure, no problem. Okay. Um. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, I should just wait. Anyway, I have stuff I would love to talk about, but um, <laughs> I, I will I will plug that. Uh, you know what I'll plug? Read, reread if you if you've read it, and and I I think the animated version is equally um, enjoyable. Is All Star Superman? It's very unMarvel related, but that is some good comics. Okay, that's the uh, the Morrison quietly one. Yes. Okay. Perfect. It was very kind of it was very Morrisony, but it was good. Yeah. I haven't seen the. Was that one of the new uh, DC animated ones? It's probably like more than five years old, oh, but okay. it, it does a pretty good job. Cool. Oh, I've never seen it. I'll have to check it out. 
And uh, why don't you give everybody your Twitter there? I am at L.A. Boy Toy. I am in L.A. I have seen some famous peoples. They're, they are around, but I, they're, eh, you know, L.A. L.A. is, um, I'll put it this way. I ran into um, a guy on business here in L.A. from Ohio, where I'm originally from. Oh. And he was extremely personable and nice and genuine, which is something you don't find in L.A. <laughs> That's what I will say about L.A. Well, I used, I used to tell Denise one of the things that one of the reasons we got along so well. She's not a Dallas native. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not even it from real, Texas. You know, <laughs> growing up here and becoming like a kind of different kind of artistic, whatever musician adult, it was really hard to mm-hmm. date Dallas women. <laughs> so I, I said being a transplant worked in her favor. Um, there you go. Yeah. So who's the most famous person you've you've rubbed shoulders with so far? When I was coming back from a business meeting last month, I ran into uh, Larry David on the airplane. Nice. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any, any fame brushes. I saw Mr. T at a baseball game one time. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I served coffee to the wallflowers. <laughs> that was my brush with fame. Did their tour bus have one headlight? <laughs> oh, they were playing at the, the little place next door to us, so they came in to get coffee. And they started asking for stuff. I was like, yeah, we don't have that. We're not Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, cool. Well, Denise, what do you want to plug? What do you want to talk about? Anything? No. All right, what's your Twitter? <laughs> I don't know. What is my Twitter? Oh, okay. Well, this game again. <laughs> I don't. I just hit log in. I, hit, I go to my Twitter app, and it tells me. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> She's not kidding, Georgia. I'm not kidding. I know. I think I know what it is. So. <laughs> oh, it doesn't even pull up. What is it? Um, you are at D-A-S underscore Venable. Venable, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, that's my Twitter. Yes. All right. Well, <laughs> for the podcast that goes, Nick, please uh, like the Facebook page. Um, email us, nickcast at yahoo.com. Um, Andrew and Reginald Tyrannicus are proof that I will read your emails if you send them. Um, Twitter is at SnickCast. Uh, show notes and stuff are at snickcast.podbean.com. Uh, with this episode, I'll put up a link to my review for Intracomics podcast. Um, Yay! Always love those guys. Uh, they're of course. At, uh, what's the Twitter? Uh, at Intracomics Pod, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Oh, hey, I do have a plug. Well, not really a plug, but... No backies. move over (laughs) so for all of our listeners out there being that you know we're in the month of December and you are going to edit this right before Christmas yeah hopefully it'll be out this week okay so my really big thing is paying it forward during the holidays I like to do something where if I go to a coffee shop I buy and I go through the drive-thru I buy my coffee and the coffee for the car behind me and I ask people to pay it forward um but I think it would be fun if we could pay it forward with comics. So the next time you go to a comic shop, find an all-ages book, buy it, give it to the guy behind the counter and say, the next time you see a little kid in here, just give it to him. There you go. Good. That's a good idea. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So that's my plug for the holidays. Because kids need to read and get off their eye touches. <laughs> And their iPhones. Touches. Touches. <laughs> That's what Ethan has. You know, I've never realized how pervy that sounds until you said <laughs> it. 
But, it's an iPod Touch, right? Yes. Yes, yes an iPod okay. Touch. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, <laughs> kids need to, they need to get off their little handheld devices and they need to read. Yeah. So. And comics is a good way to do that. It is. It? For sure. So that's my little plug. Perfect. Well, um, we're running a little long in the mouth, but it's been a really good episode. So again, Georgie and Denise, thank y'all. Um, it was so much fun. I'm glad we got to finally have the worlds collide. Um, get y'all on the same episode together. And I'm so. not fired. <laughs> You're never fired. All right. Well, um, until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye. Bye.